Podcasts from the Cat. Voices and sounds from Crew and Nantwich. You're listening to Business Brunch, and on today's show, we're talking to the owner of a well-known property on the Cheshire-Shropshire border that owes its very existence to a Cistercian Abbey founded in 1133. Over the ensuing 868 years, the buildings have undergone considerable change and have laid host to several famous visitors, including Charles II, William III and Samuel Johnson. Today, we're really pleased to welcome the owner of Combermere Abbey, Sarah Callender Beckett. Sarah, welcome to Business Brunch. Thank you very much, Des. Great pleasure to be here. Sarah, take us back in time and tell us a little about yourself uh, and what you were doing prior to inheriting Combermere Abbey. Well, uh, we moved as a family, myself and my sisters and my parents, to Combermere when I was about seven after my mother inherited it from her grandfather. And I had a very regular upbringing and I went off to school and after school I found myself um, in the PR world and I suppose that's been the sort of basic um, professional path that I've followed although I've had a few deviations on the way as one does in life and I ended up um, in New York um, and worked for uh, eventually worked for uh, Laura Ashley over there and I was in America for 15 years so I saw an amazing period of time for that company. We grew exponentially from four shops when I joined to 204 shops um, 10 years later. So I reaped the benefit of all that experience. And then I came back to London for a couple of years before I took on Combermere because I decided that having not lived in England for so long, it'd be a good idea to get my sort of um, feet under the table by living and working in London rather than moving directly to, to, to the country again. So having left school armed with your qualifications um, and mm. heading into PR, at that time, did you feel that, that there was a general goal that you were heading for? Was there a place where you wanted to be in 10 years' time? or? Not really. I have to say that the opportunities for women in business um, when I came out of my education were not anything like what they are today. But PR marketing was definitely one of the avenues that um, women could go into professionally. And I was in fashion and design um, PR to start with, which is what led me really eventually to Nora Ashley. And I suppose, no, I didn't have a 10-year goal. I think I was too young to think about things like 10-year goals. But I did very much enjoy that work. It was, um, I was able to use the languages that I had because we had a lot of overseas, um, particularly European designers. So I was lucky. I, I was a linguist um, from school, so I spoke Italian and French, and I was able to use that, which was great. I think it was it was a, a world that was just opening up. Um, we're talking about the 70s here when things suddenly blossomed hugely everywhere in the world. And in, in New York particularly, it was coming out of a recession when I got there. And I just found the opportunity very, very exciting. But I didn't have a 10-year goal, no. 
And working for Laura Ashley must have been quite a big break for you. Was that an exciting period? It was an incredibly exciting period. And it was, it was um, I suppose I fitted very well because I was a, a Brit living in New York. I had a green card, so they didn't have a problem with trying to um, find work permits for me and everything. And I, um, so I understood Laura Ashley and its beginnings because I obviously had, uh, as a young girl, mourned Laura Ashley. Um, so I was sort of familiar with it. And we just took it from there. And the team in New York was headed by an Englishman who'd been involved with their startup in Wales. So it was a very small team. We all did everything. It was an all-hands-on-deck concept. And then we suddenly sort of took off. And it became a designer in America, where, whereas in England it was more of a high street shop. It was an absolute stonking success. Um, until possibly the last couple of years I worked for them and then the recession hit and it hit retail very, very badly in the 90s, the late 80s and early 90s. And then Laura Ashley went into a very different phase. But it was a phenomenal opportunity for me. And I had the opportunity to go and work open stores in almost all of the states across America. So I got a very, very good wide insight into the states it's a phenomenal country it's so varied the people the populations the types of people where they live what they do the opportunities open to them and it was all uh, it was all a, a fantastic adventure for me so I'm going to bring you back to the UK now and talk about yes. Combermere <laughs> Abbey, which is almost 900 years old and was yes. originally founded by Hugh de Malbank. You don't need me to tell you that, I'm, I'm sure. Uh, Sarah, tell us a little about the history of the Abbey and, uh, and outline some of the issues you faced opening a grade one listed building to the general public. Well, the, the Abbey has had a remarkable history um, it was a monastery founded, as you say, by Hugh de Mulbank, who, who had the title Lord of Nantwich, and he'd made his money in salt, and he gave the abbey lands to the um, abbot and 22 monks, and it started life as a Benedictine monastery, and then was changed and given to the Cistercians, and this happened to a lot of abbeys around this area, that all the houses, as they were known, became Cistercian. Um, and it was a monastery until the dissolution in, uh, in 1538. And the abbey had gone through a lot of turbulent times. It's a good times, very bad times. It was maladministered for many years, and um, it, was, it wasn't a profitable house by the time the dissolution came. The, the Abbey lands were given to a man called George Cotton who came from just south of Whitchurch and he had been a supporter of Henry VIII uh, and indeed had ties to the household of Henry VIII's illegitimate son, the Duke of Richmond. So this obviously was a thank you for his support. And he, his family has been, were at Combermere for almost 400 years. They became very entrenched in local squirearchy and um, and married into a lot of the local Cheshire and Shropshire families. Then um, the most illustrious of that uh, of that family was certainly Viscount, the first Viscount, who was a general under the Duke of Wellington. 
And the house had been created into a Tudor manor house by the early Cotton family. But he came along and as he made his name and became famous, he decided he wanted a Gothic house because Gothic was the style of the day. And as he grew in stature and reputation, he felt he was um, due a house that represented his newfound stature and a reputation. So he built, a, he altered the house in 1820. He didn't rebuild it completely. He altered it and he put a, a, a Gothic shell around the exterior of the house and punched holes in things and rejigged things and created a new drive up onto the Whitchurch Nantwich Road. Um, they had just dug out the lake between Little Mere and Big Mere, so they gave themselves a new park. It was a new entrance. They built the stables a few years later, and um, he just set about creating this um, extraordinary showcase. So and just uh, let, me, let me take you forward a little bit now. Having gone through quite considerable change, uh, as you've already yeah. outlined, and you inheriting it, you then decided to open it up to the public. Just give us a feel yeah. for, for some of the issues that are involved in opening a, a Grade 1 listed building to the general public. Well, I think the main one of the main issues is, is managing the um, numbers so and then deciding what suits the, the place. When we started to open up, I opened up to events in the Abbey. And so the limitations there were obviously the numbers of people we could put into the library, um, which is up to 100. Um, it's also questions of, uh, of loos and facilities, which in a grade one listed building, uh, you have challenges with disabled um, uh, people, visitors, and because you can't change things willy-nilly. You can't suddenly say, oh, I'm going to put a ramp there, or I'm going to put new this and new that. It's not quite as easy as that. You have to go through various circuitous routes. But I think the... And so that was the first challenge, was being able to uh, be very honest with people, and we are today. If you want to come on a tour, we are thrilled to have you on a tour. But beware, you know, we don't have good disabled facilities. Um, you've got to go upstairs, etc. So you just have to warn people. Where we, where we, um, when we started to do things like alter the um, stables into holiday cottages, again, we did what we could. We um, amended things and improved things and put into where we could downstairs bathrooms, things like that. But it is, it is a challenge, and you also want to be very careful of the numbers. So Cumbermere is a privately owned historic house. It's not like the National Trust. So we can open with our own sets of um, rules and guidelines. And we don't want to invite too many people at the same time because it spoils the experience. And you're coming to a house like that to understand its history through an experience. Today we're talking to Sarah Callender Beckett, the owner of Combermere Abbey. Sarah, as the owner of a, of a listed building dating back to the 12th century, you, you have considerable responsibility in maintaining it for future generations and, and balancing that responsibility with the inherent costs of its upkeep. So share with us your skill set and, and how it's assisted you in transforming the Abbey into a successful business. 
Well, I think um, I talked a little bit about the fact that most of my career had been in public relations and PR. And that is my primary skill set, along with being, I think, a natural problem solver and a people person. I like people. So I view myself, actually, not as the owner of Cumbermere Abbey, but as actually as its current guardian. I think these places, they've outlived all of us by centuries, as you mentioned, and hopefully they will be here for many more centuries. So our time looking after them is that of a guardian, and it's also preparing them for the, the generations as they move forward. And that's what I really see as the res- main responsibility. It, they are costly because they are structures that are n- no longer necessarily easy to find um, if you have to repair them they're not easy to um, keep up because they are quite a mishmash of changes but I think the skill set that I've come to with my approach to Cumbermere is it has been very lucky because of naturally being outgoing naturally understanding how to publicize and promote something that's special um, and, and as you say, I suppose dealing with um, problems as they arise and then trying to foresee some problems that you see might come along and and you manage that as they come. But I am a problem solver, so I would say that's my, that's my skill set. When oh. I came back, we have seven listed buildings at Combermere, not one, and they were all in either a derelict or semi-derelict condition. So my approach was to take each building, each structure, and to introduce a a business that was relevant to today. So, for example, the stables, which had been built to house 36 horses. I'm not into horses particularly. And they now are home to nine holiday cottages, which sleep up to 50 people. And that means people bring energy People enjoy, bring, bring enjoyment. They come and they participate in what Cumbermere is all about. And that energy is part of the sort of rebirth cycle of an estate like this. Let me take you, let me take you forward now to the guests, to the people that come and visit the Abbey. So as, as a building that uh, is nearly 900 years old, it, it, it invites you to take a step back in time into a very different mm. world. But it has all the luxuries of a modern building. So tell us about the current services that represent the core business uh, and what makes Combermere Abbey sufficiently different to other historical buildings? Well, if we take the Abbey itself, first of all, the Abbey had a wing that was completely derelict. And in, 19, uh, in 2013, we got the permissions and the funding to restore that wing, which we now call the North Wing. And uh, it was beautifully restored. It was a mammoth task. And we opened it in 2016 as a luxury bed and breakfast. It's also used as the bridal suite for the brides that get married with us at Cumbermere. And it was a very faithful restoration. It was very interesting because it opened up a lot more of the history behind the walls, so to speak. But we brought into it all those modern amenities that people would hope to enjoy when they come to a place today. So showers, bathrooms, excellent kitchen uh, facilities, um, and But it was done with that whole view of celebrating the past. 
so you can touch wood beams that where the oaks started to grow in 1350 you can enjoy views that have been there for centuries from your bedroom windows and you are very well looked after because there is an abbey manager who takes care of you in our holiday cottages we took the view again updated kitchens and bathrooms but we took the view that each part of the history of the house actually had an interesting story to tell so we've named each cottage after a personality connected to the estate's you know almost 900 years history and the designs and the paintings reflect that in some of those so it's it's blending the past it's also telling the story um to people that come and inviting them to explore it further and just to enjoy the space because part of Cumbermere's allure is the environment that it sits in, the place that it is, um, the trees, the lake, the wildlife, the peace, the quiet, getting away from things. Sarah, you, you, paint, uh, you paint a wonderful picture and, and it sounds terrific. And uh, although I've never been, my wife's walked in the grounds. This is a podcast from The Cat. Today we're talking to Sarah Callender-Beckett, the owner and, as she would say in her own words, the guardian of Combermere Abbey. Sarah, it's difficult to ignore the current rate of change in modern technology, so share with us the changes you've introduced and how technology has helped you refine your systems and your offering at the Abbey. Yes, well, certainly things have changed a lot since I started this business nearly 30 years ago when we used faxes. We didn't even have, um, we didn't even have uh, mobile phones. So the technology is phenomenal today. And we have been able to embrace it, first of all, actually through introducing superfast broadband and Wi-Fi. And that just happened recently thanks to a government grant for the heritage during the recent pandemic. But we've been able to bring superfast broadband onto the estate, and that has allowed us to uh, work as a team with the um, most recent computer systems. Um, It's allowed us to be more efficient about our database collection and our database use, um, keeping in touch with our visitors, reaching out to new visitors, being able to engage in social media much more energetically. And more interesting as well is the fact that that is now available to our guests. So they will be able to come instead of struggling with very bad broadband, uh, they will have unfettered access to streaming, to download programs, to work from a cottage if they have to during their stay with us. Um, they can have two or more people on it at the same time. And, and I think that will, uh, it's hugely ex- enhances the experience, um, I do believe. But it also means that we are able as, a, as a, a team of people to communicate better and to communicate more safely and more efficiently, really. I, I can see how, how it will enhance the uh, visitor's experience and, and certainly in regard to the way you you run the business. Just taking you on now onto a period, a global period that is most unfortunate and has wreaked havoc uh, across the business world, causing some businesses to completely restructure how they generate sales. So share with us how you and your staff have adapted to the current circumstances 
And whether you will retain any of the changes you've um, you've implemented? Well, um, I think the challenge of this past year has been extraordinary. Our business, being in the hospitality business, tourism business, has been particularly badly hit, although there are many, many others as well. And that's really because so many other small businesses benefit from an organizational operation of my size locally. And I suppose one of the things we've done um, is we have taken advantage of this new superfast broadband and we can now generate sales online so we can take payments online. We can also communicate much more widely. We've changed the way we talk to our um, guests and our prospective guests. So we use internet advertising more. We use um, social media through Facebook and Instagram because we tell our story so much better in pictures. Um, we have been working with a, a local PR company and we've worked and we've kept our focus very tight. So our sales has also tried to tell the Cumbermere story and be generally uplifting as opposed to a pure sales message because we feel that the pictures tell the story and once people are here they can they can enjoy what they want to enjoy we will definitely stay with all that online um, booking and payments we've introduced that now for our bluebell walks which are going on at the moment and it's online ticketing we've never done that before but that allows us to make sure people are not overcrowded on the walk um, it's it's efficient uh, people can make a decision and a choice. And I think that um, we will. those are definitely changes that are here to stay. Some of the staff have been working from home. Many have been furloughed. Um, and, and we will look to see where that's practical um, in the future. But bringing and keeping a team together is also very important. And I am expecting to see the full team back so that they can... Re regroup and um, re recoup some of the energy and the excitement um, that one had as a business before when the teams all were on site together. It's, it's been a very difficult time and uh, it's great that you've managed to keep the staff, some of them on furlough as you've said, and that eventually the whole team will be back at the Abbey when, when normality resumes. Today we're talking to Sarah Callender Beckett, the owner and guardian of Combermere Abbey. Sarah, you sit on the local parish council and you're also heavily involved in marketing Cheshire, uh, particularly with rural initiatives. So tell us about these links with the community and how they are helping to increase tourism. Well, I do think it's very important when um, a place like Combermere sits within a parish and has historically had a lot of ties to local communities that that is continued and it's supported in whatever way I can. And so I joined the parish council about nine years ago, eight, nine years ago. And I know and I, I knew most of the people at that time. We're a very small parish here, Dodcut, on the very southern tip of Cheshire. And I think that you can act as a sounding board you can offer opportunities for people they can use they've used the abbey um, on an annual basis to do various fundraisings i can bring my marketing and 
background and my PR skills to help promote and support initiatives that we might be putting on in the parish. Um, we're also, by being a big employer in the local area, you know, we are a reference point for, for local people. And rural uh, communities need those reference points. And our parish council is very keen. We sit within um, or next door to another very engaged and very energetic and larger parish. So we reach out um, to others around us. And I think those cross communications are really, really important because you can't act in a, in a silo really at all. But in terms of tourism, I think I've been involved now with um, tourism in Cheshire since I set up the cottages about 28 years ago. And I've enjoyed the journey enormously. I've sat on a number of different panels um, at various times. We got hit by foot and mouth and uh, needed very much to regenerate rural tourism. People underestimate the number of very, very vibrant um, entrepreneurial businesses within the rural areas. We do suffer from very bad broadband connection and mobile connection, so we're very disadvantaged on that level. But what is really important is that the countryside and the rural experience is something that more and more and more people are looking for. So it's important that those businesses are supported, that they have a champion for the businesses they have, and Marketing Cheshire is that champion because it, it, it supports, um, it acts as a knowledge base, it acts as an educational foundation for them, they can tap into learning about initiatives. They've got a group of like-minded members who share information, and it also supports lots of local businesses by allowing places like us to champion local businesses in Nantwich. We sit on the border, so we also support Whitchurch, Audlam, Malpas. These are r vibrant rural communities, and people coming to visit us need to find out about them. And that's one of the main things. Um, I've recently become chair of something called the Rural Economy Forum, where we are uh, supporting the local um, government across Cheshire, so all of the three different um, authorities, and feeding into them information that will support their decisions when they come to discuss financing and funding of rural initiatives. And it, the, the, the wealth of knowledge within our panel is fantastic. And these are all people that are rooting for the county. I think it's really important that business continues to, to become more involved in in the local community uh, and, and share their skill sets and sharing best practice. Um, it can only be a good thing. Sarah, yes. uh, no business can stand still. So assuming that some form of normality resumes during 2021, tell us what you have planned for the future of Combermere Abbey to ensure that it continues to delight visitors for many years to come? Well, I, I do think this period has been very, very um, dramatic for so many people. And in the case of my business, I think the first thing that we will be looking to do is to stabilise it because there's no doubt that the impact of the pandemic has been very destabilising. So in the immediate 
the very short term, we'll be looking to do more of what we do now um, and doing it better. So we have the holiday let operation, the B&B operation, which luckily can already um, start to receive guests. And then um, open back up again for our weddings, which are extremely popular. So that will be the first phase. The second phase will be to look at ways of perhaps re re-engaging with smaller events um, and focusing those on the Abbey, which I used to do many years ago. So doing some uh, things inside the house in the sort of autumn, winter months when people are looking for um, something special to come and do and for the Abbey to open its doors locally again, which we did at the beginning with some marvellous concerts and um, entertainment. And we will look to do that I think again, because I think the room, the library at the Abbey is fantastic. We definitely want to to build on our tours and people um, coming in groups to have a tour around the house um, and some of the gardens. And we can link that now into the cafe that we've got at the business park at the top of the estate, which is um, a big plus for them because it's, it's a very beautiful um, operation there serving delicious things and so there's a, a synergy there so it would be difficult rather like a 10 year goal you asked me about earlier I'd be, I would have a, a problem being specific about the 10 year goal but I would say that I'm always listening out for and looking at opportunities to introduce activities and businesses that the public can engage with that they can learn from um, and that they can enjoy the space that I've, I'm lucky enough to live in and they can um, benefit from when they come, even if it's just for a very short period of time. So, well, let, let's hope the, um, that your plans come together then and, and offer a future to the Abbey. Sarah, thank you very much. Thank you so much for joining us today uh, and giving us an insight in, into what is required to maintain a grade one listed building whilst uh, running it as a successful business. It's been hugely interesting uh, from my perspective and I hope our listeners feel the same way. Before we finish, Sarah, please tell our listeners where they can find more information about Combermere Abbey. Well, you can either, uh, we have a Facebook page, we have an Instagram page, and but the main thing would be our website, which is Abbey co.uk and if listeners are interested in coming on one of the bluebell walks which will be open until may the 23rd then just go to the website and look at the what's on page because um, they are spectacular this year i have to say and well worth the walk sarah thank you for coming on the cat today thank you very much for having me des go to listen.thisisthecat.com for more podcasts and more ways to listen